All right, welcome into another edition of the Duck Territory Duck Territory podcast with Matt Prem and Eric Scopel across the way. Hey guys, here to talk basketball, right? Yeah, right. Basketball, yay! <laughs> basketball. Um, kind of. I mean, we'll call it an emergency podcast. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, lots happened in the last couple weeks since we've talked about a football podcast. Uh, yes. If you're not aware, Willie Taggart's no longer the head coach. <laughs> if you aren't aware, I'm not sure how you found this podcast without seeing any of the other news. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday, December 5th. Um, this is 363 days since <laughs> Willie Taggart has been hired at Oregon. So he didn't even make it a full didn't year. Didn't even make it a full calendar year. Um, and you could argue that he's now coached three teams in one se- in one calendar year. Uh <laughs> From South Florida to Oregon, now to Florida State, um, we're breaking down the impact that comes with it, um, the timeline of what happened. We're going to give our thoughts here, kind of where Oregon is now, where Oregon could go next, um, kind of the important stepping stones the Ducks need to make from now until uh, their new head coaching hire. Um, Eric, overall, we've seen Taggart... Dodge questions. Mm-hmm. We've seen the players now uh, take to Twitter and talk about it. We've seen Rob Mullins talk about it. Um, I'm going to use a quote that Rob Mullins used. This was clumsy towards the end, and yeah. I think it, it poorly reflects on Taggart. Well, I understand he left. He still looks really, really bad. I think, I think okay, you can think, I know, fans are not happy right now, as you understand, after you lose a coach and you know, I think the question is, are you disappointed about the class, the recruiting class losing, or about his class and how he handled this whole thing? Because um, we've got a story up on the site right now that kind of reflects this, but it's pretty clear Taggart was less than honest with some of the things he said. Um, last Friday, uh, on particular, he said he had not been contacted by Florida State. Straight up was asked. He said, nope. Can we talk to some? Can we move on to something else? What, you know, kind of try to dodge the topic and... Today we learned from Rob Mullins when he lays out the timeline that Taggart actually begin conversations the day before on Thursday with Florida State. So it's pretty clear that one of them is lying, and I don't know why you would think it would be Rob Mullins in this instance. Um, and so, yeah, Taggart kind of leaves with, I think, a little bit of a, of a black eye in terms of how he's going to be perceived. I well, it think. goes it goes even deeper than that. Of it, it goes to the point where Florida State called Rob Mullins first mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're going to talk to to Willie Taggart, yeah. um, and he said that happened in the morning mm-hmm. on Thursday, uh, and then on top of that, Thursday afternoon, Willie called Rob Mullins to say that he has now officially been contacted by Florida State. So it's not only that Rob Mullins is saying that you know the timeline's different; he's he's come out and said that Taggart himself had called him to, to let him know about it. So yeah, um, so there yeah, so there isn't much argument in terms of. Of who's being honest. Yeah, there's, I mean, I mean, I guess Mullins could make it up, but I, like you why said, would you why would he do that? Um, so and, yeah, he leaves with a black guy. I don't think there's any question. I think, yeah, I think Taggart's reputation here, at least in the Oregon community, probably is not <laughs> the best. And I think that's unfortunate because as crazy as it sounds, I understand why he left. Mm-hmm. I would leave, I, too. I would leave if I was in his situation too. I think the way it played out, is probably what irks a lot of fans. I mean, uh, that's what Chris Randazzo, um, one of Oregon's three-star offensive line commits, posted on Twitter today was that four days ago, Taggart was in his home at his table um, explaining that everything is good. The 2018 class is going to be the class that puts 
this Oregon football program above everyone else. Um, and then he leaves. I, I, I think, and, he, and Randazzo said that, you know, they couldn't get any answers. He was, you know, about Florida State contact. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a common theme with recruits. That was a common theme with parents of recruits. Mm-hmm. Common theme with players, parents. Um, you know, I did a story earlier to, before the news broke that Taggart was gone, that he'd started reaching out, um, to parents to talk about it. But for the most part, prior to Tuesday, no one else had, had really heard much from Taggart. No one else had, had, could get anything out of it. And that's why Trayshawn Harrison decommitted. Right. And, and you, I mean, and not only was he not up front with fans, recruits, who's listening. He wasn't very upfront with media, like we mentioned earlier, and the fan base. And I think that's really what kind of pisses off a lot of Oregon fans. He sends a tweet out, I think, Sunday prior to the bull announcement saying, excited to go out there and get a good practice in, can't wait to find out who we play. And at that point, you know, he's already, you know, he wouldn't say it then, but but clearly based upon what we've learned now, was already in maybe not negotiations, but at least conversations with Florida State about taking that job. And that's not somebody that you think is probably quite as razzle-dazzle and, yeah, let's go get this great practice. I think right. that comes across as kind of disingenuous. And I think you add all of this up and you end up with an equation that, that isn't really particularly attractive for, for Taggart. And, and now Oregon's kind of left to pick up the pieces. And, and like we'll touch upon here in a second, um, it's going to have to happen pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, they've got – they're 10 days away from their bowl game, or I guess 11 now from their bowl game, and 15 days away from – the early signing period. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that have to be cleared up very, very quickly. And that, you can kind of transition over to what Rob Mullen said in terms of what their timeline is. Yeah, Rob said that there really isn't one. Right. They're not going to operate. And I, and I think it's the right call. They're not going to go and just make a hire to make a hire to save this recruiting class. I think ideally if you could find some coach, whether that be within this current staff, mm-hmm. um, whether that be outside the staff, um, you find someone that, can do it and can save the class and at the, at the same time be your long-term solution, you do it. Yeah. But I don't think you jeopardize Oregon's long-term future to save the short-term immediate help that's coming in 2018 because this is still an elite recruiting class. Uh, going into the day, it's the sixth, sixth best recruiting class in the country. It won't be that. I guarantee you uh, by Wednesday morning, something will happen again where a couple decommits follow. We've already seen three. Uh, from this weekend. Treshawn Harrison was on Saturday before he act- Taggart actually had left. And then uh, within minutes, really, uh, of, of decommitment, and the first one that comes after Taggart leaving isn't a Florida guy, yeah. but an in-state guy and, and Braden Lindsay. I think that was surprising. And that was kind of surprising to me um, as well. And then you also had Isaiah Bolden, a four-star cornerback. Both guys, top five commits in your class. Harrison was also a top three commit, so you've lost, lost three of their top six guys. Three of their top six guys, mm-hmm. and they're probably going to lose Warren Thompson, who's I think the number two guy. Um, Steve Stevens and Javon Holland, who are also top three, they've told me that they're probably set right now. They're, you know, I I think they're pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, this is going to happen. More decommits are going to happen. There's going to be more panic. More people are going to freak out. I think within the fan base, within the recruiting industry. Um, I mean, within the, rec- the the prospects and the commits and, and the guys that Oregon's looking at, 
Um, I, I think inside the administration, you will vote. The first reaction is going to be, oh, my God, everything's crumbling. The world's on fire. It's that gif of everything's <laughs> fine, but everything's exploding and stuff all right. around it. Um, you know, there's going to be some kind of – there's going to be a wave of negative momentum. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a wave of, of just despair for the next week or so. Eventually, things will settle back down again. Um, and as and it depends on how quickly they can make this higher. If they make it quickly, quick enough – you know, they only might have three or four guys decommit from this 2018 recruiting class, and they still finish in a top 10 scenario. And, and for that understanding, everything would be okay. Yeah, and I, I think one thing, just one note back on kind of the guys they lost. You know, when I did my pure recruiting piece about a month ago. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of looked into, I kind of just asked a bunch of the commits who the guys that were kind of the at the core of instigating some of the peer recruiting, kind of trying to, be the mouthpieces who were kind of the glue guys in the class and the two of the four guys that were mentioned were Braden Lindsay and Isaiah Bolden who are two of the guys that have now decommitted and so you know Ouch. I, that's not good in terms of just kind of the glue to that you kind of start to feel it kind of coming undone a little bit and um, we know that so far and we've, we've confirmed this and this was confirmed prior to Tiger leaving so we don't know if this is changing but uh, three players confirmed with Duck Territory on Monday night that they would still be signing early with Oregon. That was Tyler Shuck, the quarterback, and that's a it's a big that's a and big he, news. And he's also come out since since, right. since this departure and, and confirmed that again. As has Christopher Rondazzo. Yes, but that's contingent upon and Travis Dye and, and Travis Dye. Uh, uh, Rondazzo was contingent upon Cristobal still being on the staff, which I think would be the case with basically any of those offensive line recruits. Um, and then Tegan Quitteriano, so I guess for sport, I forgot about Dye, but. For that right now, we know we'll sign early, um, so there is kind of some base to build around. But this is a class that it was looking like they might sign somewhere between at least twenty-five. That was who, how many were committed. I mean, they were at twenty-five, and they could they potentially sign up close to thirty if, yeah. if their late recruiting weekend went well. And obviously, that's uh, not going to take place. So, from a recruiting perspective, this this has pretty major implications. Like you said, I think there is room for this to be kind of dealt with. Um, probably not going to be entirely resolved during the early signing period. Uh, really hard to believe that unless Mario Cristobal, who has, by the way, been, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, is the interim head coach yes. in the bowl game, so he's now taking over head coaching responsibilities um, in the short term. If he is promoted, maybe there's a scenario where a lot of the people say, hey, it's the same core group of coaches, we really like Mario, um, and they all sign early. I don't think that's likely. I think you're going to see a lot of guys take visits, kind of think about things, and maybe come back around to Oregon. Um, during the late signing period in February, but uh, it is certainly is not kind of the ideal situation for. Oregon. I'll say this right now: I've had three starters on this on this team um, anonymously reach out or you know, request a nominee for giving me quotes, um, but they didn't want their names attached. Right. But they all said that they want Cristobal to be the head coach, um, and they all feel like he's kind of. The guy that, that him or Levitt. And, yeah. um, we've reported on duckterritory.com. So as the Oregonian, so as the registered guard, also, uh, Tomahawk Nation. And then also our own, uh, Florida State site, 24-7 sports, uh, Knowles 24-7, um, Josh Newberg have all reported that Jim Levitt will go to, uh, Florida State. Ouch. And that's gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, in his contract, he can't leave until after a bowl game, um, and that's on the 16th. And Rob Mullins announced at the press conference Tuesday night that Taggart and Mullins 
have come to an agreement that the plan is for now no assistance besides Willie Taggart as the head coach leaving. Uh, everyone else will remain uh, and honor their, their contracts until the 16th uh, because, quotes, they earned the bowl game. Right. This team did. So um, I, I think I think Levitt is obviously going to be a guy you want to talk to, see if you can convince him. Absolutely. Um, maybe, maybe you can change his course and, and convince him to stay mm-hmm. uh, as head coach. Um, I think Crystal Ball is the other one that you give a serious look at in keeping because he can probably keep most of this class together and, and intact. Um, but one thing I thought that really stood out, and I think this is where Taggart's going to get a bad rep, and it's not 100% justified. You can be upset at the way he left. Um, don't be upset that he left to go to the home state and the program he grew up rooting for and wanting to coach for. Um, but he has a lasting impression that's in a positive way, I, I think, on the staff. And it's that Mullen said during the press conference, we've, what we've seen in this, in the energy of this staff and what it means on the recruiting trail, what it means inside the building and what it means in the community, we want someone who repli- who can replicate that. I think this program kind of got a jump start mm-hmm. and, yeah. and kind of really realized, whoa, if we get guys who are up to speed in today's standards of recruiting and can relate to recruits with our brand, our marketing team, and an energetic and relatable coach to recruits, we could be a monster. And I, I think Oregon got a taste of that, even though he's only been here a year. They got a taste of that, and I think that that to me was key. That one of the most things that, that Rob Mullins talked about that statement of we want someone who can replicate that and replicate what Taggart did in terms of his energy and on recruiting within the program, inside the building, and in the community. They can find someone like that. Sky's the limit still for them, no matter let's, whether um, Taggart's here or not. Let's transition over to who some of those guys might be because we've already put our hot board up. Obviously, this was made before the. Comments are made here, but is there somebody that you've heard has interest that kind of fits some of those qualities? Or when you hear them talk about sort of the things that Mullins is looking for, are there people that you go, that would be a guy that at least checks a couple of these boxes? I, I think Crystal Ball is one of those. I do too. I think he he relates um, terif- you know, in a terrific way with this team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's also a guy where – for me, in terms of interviewing and just simply listening, he talks like a head coach. Yeah, from just simply listening to the, the the staff talk, he's probably one of the guys I had the most fun interviewing because he's honest, he's upfront, he's energetic, he's relatable, um, he's and really smart. Really smart, and he presents just a position of strength from a, 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 as an assistant coach and a guy. I think you know, he's already been a head coach before. Um, and then on top of that, six years at Florida International. By the yeah, way. Florida International. He won a conference title there. Uh, I think they won a bowl game there as well. Um, and then he got fired for uh, an athletic department being overzealous of their expectations of a new program and you know the position that they were in. But he he checks those boxes in terms of relatability. But then on the recruiting trail, you, you look at him and it's like, oh my god, now. He's had a lot of help because of his connections to Alabama, yeah. but everyone has to start somewhere in terms of proving. You know, you still have to go out and recruit, and you still have to you know develop guys. And he's done that. And you just look at his his checklist, and he's got I, I want to say like six or seven five stars 
who have committed to him under his belt. He's got probably triple to quadruple that in terms of four-star guys that have committed to him um, in his time. I actually did this for the for the preview thing. I think he had seven five-star commitments and like 22 uh, four-star commitments. Yeah, so he's... And one of those was at Ford International, by the way. He had a four-star commitment at Ford International. I mean, and he's clearly proven here at Oregon uh, he can relate to, to recruits and play big key roles there. So I think Crystal Ball checks that off. Um, one name that I, I'm really curious about, and it would be kind of a, a completion of a coaching swap triangle, <laughs> right. is, is Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. And he fits a lot of, he fits a lot of the stuff that Taggart was. Um, his offenses have always been some of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always had a top 15 recruiting class in six seasons at Texas every A&M. Year. Every year except for one. He's had two top 10 finishes at Texas A&M. And while I think Oregon wants to keep, <coughs> excuse me, Oregon wants to keep that Oregon, Oregon, Florida pipeline going the best they can. I think it's probably more realistic that you can keep a Texas connection with Texigan. A Texas, a, a, te, yeah. <laughs> Who a, knows? Or, a, a connection to Texas more intact than one to Florida. I, he would be if they're going to go external, and of course we're we're limiting the scope here. We're not. We did. We joked about it on Facebook Live. People were mentioning like John Gruden and Nick Saban. They're not coming. And Urban Meyer. Those guys aren't coming to Oregon. So, but if we're limiting it to realistic possibilities outside of the program. For me, Kevin Sumlin would check a lot of the boxes that you just mentioned with Rob Mullins, what kind of what he was looking for. Excellent recruiter, um, you know, competed in a, the, the, the best conference in college football at, you know, in the SEC at Texas A&M. You look at his record, it's actually much more appealing than what Taggart did. Obviously, Taggart was doing, re- was kind of dealing with rebuilds, but I think Kevin Sumlin, 51 and 27 in, in six years at Texas A&M. That's nothing to laugh at, especially in the SEC. And that recruiting acumen is really impressive. So, I, you know, and I, I think, you know, people kind of are under the impression that that was a, a program that scored a lot of points, couldn't stop a lot of people. Well, if you bring in a guy with that offensive mind, just like Willie Taggart, and you pair him with somebody like Jim Levitt, now we're not sure he's going to be even available. He might go to Florida State. Sounds like he probably will. But if you can find the right defensive coordinator to, to pair with him, I think you have a fantastic tandem because I do think Kevin Sumlin can come in and it might not be with this class because he probably doesn't have a relationship with many of them, but he can come in and at least replicate some of that. I mean, people are going to say, well, he got fired at Texas A&M. Why do you want to hire a coach who just got fired? He went 51-26. and 26. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and at a program who, while he never won a, a division championship or a conference championship at Texas A&M, they operate as if they need to be in the championship hunt, national championship hunt every single season. And if you don't get there in three years, you're on the hot seat. Yeah. And, you know, they haven't won a national championship since like the 30s. <laughs> I mean, it's been over. It's almost a hundred years. Are you saying their expectations are a little unreasonable? Their, their last division championship came in 1998. Yeah. Their last conference championship came the same year, 1998. Almost 20, what, 30 years? Yeah, 20 years. Um, you know, so A&M had these, these obscene expectations. And sure, you could argue that he was, I think, 27 and 25 in conference play, but he was also playing and coaching in a division. That was probably the toughest in all of college football uh, during that six-year span. The SEC West. He's having to play Alabama, Auburn, LSU every single season. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult, especially when you don't have the tradition that those two, school, those three schools have right. to win. So I, I think, I think he's a name you you have to have some interest in. 
Um, Can I throw a third name out that checks zero boxes that Robert yes. Lawrence wants? Would be Mike Leach. I, I was just going to say him. Checks zero boxes probably in terms. I mean, and that's an exaggeration, but he, he kind of is counter to what Oregon has had with Willie Taggart. Right? He's not the flashy recruiter. He might have better sound bites than Willie Taggart, which is you know, Willie was pretty good, but um, but he has been extremely successful everywhere he's been, including this year at Washington State, where they were one win away from winning um, the Pac-12 North. Would have potentially had a chance to play USC, who they'd already beaten previously for a Pac-12 championship. Um, he's a guy that apparently is kind of looking around. He's been tied to Arkansas, to Tennessee, uh, maybe a couple other jobs I, I can't recall. But he's, I think, a name that you at least kind of go, that guy's been really good everywhere he's been. Does he fit at Oregon necessarily? Maybe not. But maybe you roll the dice and just kind of go, this guy's pedigree is pretty damn good. Yeah, Leach is is completely off the rails in terms of what Oregon typically exactly, has. Yeah. And it would be a unique fit. And I think anyone would be kidding themselves if they said, wow, Mike Leach would be terrible in terms of an, of a X's and O's standpoint. Um, he might have like the lowest floor. Like they're gonna, he's gonna win seven, eight games every year. Every year. year. Um, my concern is though is that, you know, while they kind of had some breakthrough this season and wins over Stanford, uh, and then, did they beat Stanford this year? I can't they, remember. They yeah, they beat Stanford. They did beat USC. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern though is, is he's been absolutely handled by Washington. Yes. Uh, in his time at Washington State. And they beat Oregon this year. And they beat Oregon, they beat Oregon this the year, the last three years. years. Um, but at the same time, do you want to hire a coach? I mean, we're seeing a lot of those you know, negative stuff coming out of Michigan lately because of, you know, Harbaugh can't beat Michigan State or, or Ohio State. Um, you got to be able to beat Oregon State, and you got to be able to beat Washington if you come here. Um, and his track record uh, against the Huskies is terrible. Terrible. Um, and he's quirky enough where I think there's probably a, at least a little bit of a pause of is he a fit within the community of Eugene? That's my concern. Um, I don't think he is. Uh, I think he's not. He, <laughs> Eugene's pretty liberal. I don't think he's very liberal. I would agree with that. Um, we don't want to get too far down into, into politics. You sure? <laughs> best best case. Um, I think there's also the Justin Wilcox factor. Mm-hmm. That's another good name. Um, Willie uh, Willie Taggart. Rob Mullins was asked about you know with Taggart being hired at Oregon, he had no emotional connection to this team prior to arriving. You know he's not from this region. He was a Florida guy, a Florida born guy. A lot of the staff weren't connected to the Pacific Northwest. There's a couple Basically guys. Basically none of it. I mean, a couple guys, yeah. Um, you know, but outside of that, there was no real emotional attachment. Now, that, that, I think that developed over time, but at the same time, it wasn't there. And Mullins was asked, do you prefer to go find someone with Pacific Northwest ties? That's Justin Wilcox. Mm-hmm. Born in Eugene, played high school, grew up in Junction City, played out of Oregon. Um, and I even think maybe it was a GA at Oregon for maybe one season. I can't, I can't remember that um, aspect or not, but... That's about as connected to to Oregon as you can get from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Willie Taggart leaving for Florida State for his dream job. I, I would I would guess that for Justin Wilcox, Oregon would be his dream job, just based upon. And I think his his dad and his uncles both played at Oregon. His brother played at Oregon. You know, he played at Oregon. Was you know a, a really good player. Um, and then you know, I was obviously coached against Oregon, but has kind of remained in the Northwest for a while. I mean. I think, you know, from that perspective, that could work out really well. But I think Oregon has to be a little bit wary of they just fired a guy last year where Oregon was the dream job. You know, Mark Helfrich, and obviously different backgrounds, but Mark Helfrich's dream job was Oregon, yeah. and it didn't work out. And so sometimes you kind of have to go outside the box, which is why maybe a Sumlin 
or a crystal ball or a, or a Mike Leach makes a little bit more sense. But with Wilcox, you're getting a defensive-minded guy, which maybe goes counter a little bit to what um, Oregon's had with head coaches recently, also counter to the other three candidates who are all kind of offensive-minded guys, that guys that when they were assistants or have been assistants were offensive coaches. Wilcox has been a defensive, a defensive coordinator, guy. linebackers coach. So that's his kind of fit. But I, I don't I, know if he checks the box, though, being – uh, a very good recruiter. I, I, I don't think Mike Lynch I, does either. But yeah. I, I and I don't know if it's because he hasn't proven it, or more so because I, I don't think Justin Wilcox as a head coach, um, he's only got one year, and he was at USC and he was at Washington. But I think those kind of those two programs, especially USC, you can basically yeah be just monotone it's, and get five stars so knocking to, on your door. It's so hard to gauge who's going to be a good recruiter if you just go based on rankings, though, because Dana Altman was not a good recruiter based on rankings at Creighton, and now they've got the number one recruiting class in the country. Willie Taggart at South Florida, they had good rank, good, you know, decent rankings, but he was in a place where Florida State and Florida were going to be king, and Miami were going to be king every year, so his rankings weren't that great. Both those guys show up at Oregon and are able to turn it around, so it's hard to know exactly what you have with Wilcox, but I would agree in terms of just the personality, it doesn't come across. And if you look at his track record as an assistant, he doesn't have a great history of pulling in five stars and four stars. Um, moving forward, signing day is on the 20th. Uh, we don't expect a lot of the guys to sign with this recruiting class, at least early on. Like you said, there's about four or five guys um, that have said that uh, they will sign early on. Um, who would be the three or four most important guys you think this, this class needs to keep? To keep? Um, I think Steve Stevens and Javon Holland come to mind. I think those are two, you know, and uh, Tyler Shuck I'm not even going to include because he's already said he's going to play, but I, that might be number one for me just because quarterback it's a position Oregon obviously needs with what went down last year with, with Herbert getting injured and, and Braxton Burmeister filling in. Obviously a guy like Shuck who's, who's considered a better prospect and can come in and play right away would be a big time one. Um, but I think both of those safeties from the California, the North Cal- Northern California area, two of their most highly rated recruits, Guys that are probably capable of coming in and playing right away. You know, Oregon at safety will lose a starter and in, in, in Tyree Robinson. Ugo Amadi more than likely will be a starter next year, but he's going to be a senior. There is opportunity for one of those guys to come in and, and or both those guys to come in and start for three or four years. Um, and then in terms of another one, I think just one of these big time wide receivers because Oregon needs playmakers at wide receiver, and it looked like and it still could be, but it looked like they were just going to absolutely reload. But now you've lost Trayshawn Harrison, you've lost Braden Lindsey, Warren Thompson is a guy that more than likely is going to end up with Florida State with Willie Taggart because that was a guy that was already, you know, basically going to probably go there if Taggart hadn't gotten involved. Um, so maybe maybe Miles Battle's a guy that yeah. is a key player. But I mean, just just a, a, they need a top tier receiver in this class, and it looked like they were going to get four to six, and now you're kind of going two to three. Are they, are they going to get two or three? You know, they they need some bodies there because we saw this year. Especially when Herbert wasn't healthy, but even when he was, that they just don't have the weapons on the outside. Yeah, for me, I'm 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 kind of along the same lines. I, I think Steve Stevens, Warren Tom, uh, Steve Stevens, Tyler Shuck, uh, and Javon Holland and Adrian Jackson mm-hmm. are, are four guys. Jackson's a good one too. That you absolutely have to keep. Jackson's a middle inside linebacker for the, for the Ducks. Forgot. Yeah, that's that um, maybe number one almost. And he's already come out and said, you know, I'm probably signing with Oregon no matter what. Um, Should be huge. He's not going to sign in, in in January or December like he was planning to because of the tagger thing. He just wants to see who's who's hired. But Levitt was his primary recruiter, right. which might come into play. I don't know. He even said though, if, even if Levitt's not here, um, you know, I'll probably still 
sign with Oregon. I just want to make sure who they sign. Right. Um, that's a guy that you need to keep. I think Miles Battle, like you said, for a receiver standpoint, is critical. Um, this is where Marcus Arroyo comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is a guy from Texas. Arroyo is a heavy recruiter in the Texas area. Um, he played a key part in, in getting Miles Battle onto this staff, onto this, onto this uh, commitment list. And then I think that guy that you go farther down the list here and find is Spencer Webb. Yo, he's really good. Um, because while he may be a tight end, you need size on the outside, and they don't have a lot of that. I think Spencer Webb is a guy that's going to be a four-star prospect when the rankings are all done for the 2018 class. And look, let's be real. This class is now eighth in the country. They're still first in the Pac-12. Um, they've got 21 verbal commitments. They can take up to 32, so they can they can get 11 more guys back into this fold. I think Braden Lindsey will be back in the fold as long as Oregon doesn't fumble the hire and makes a decent hire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Treshawn Harrison falls back into the fold as well if they make a good hire and a quick a quick hire to get this acclimated again. Um, I doubt Isaiah Bolden comes back. I doubt Warren Thompson. I I, I yeah. doubt Malcolm Lamar and. Um, you, you look at some of these other Jonathan guys, King, Andrew, Johnson. Florida, Andrew Johnson. Those yeah. guys in the southeast, you just don't know what the ties are. But I if doubt if Cristobal is promoted. Maybe. maybe they maybe they can keep him. Um, I don't think Oregon's in a free fall right now, but this hire is an absolute pivotal one mm-hmm. for where Oregon goes in the next five to six seasons. Because if they have to make another hire in, in three or four seasons, Oregon's stock will have officially bottomed out from where it was. From from 2009 to 2014, where they they played in two national championship games, they won the Pac-12 conference three or four times, and they had a run where they they made a BCS or playoff type bowl game uh, four out of five seasons. They've got to find some stability here, unless and if they don't, they're they're, they're they could bottom out in terms of respectability this, nationally. This is a very this might be along with the national championship prep week the most crucial week for Oregon football ever, just in terms of they have to nail this hire. They have to get everything lined up because, like you said, you do not want to be in a situation where you hire the wrong guy and you're you're firing somebody in a year or two, three years, three years from now, and you're having to start all over again because, like you said, the way recruits' minds work, you know, it's not a 15-year memory. It's a four- to five-year memory. And if Oregon's been consistently bad – for four to five years, which right now they're kind of two years of mediocrity, and they get add three more years to that, their cachet with recruits, I think, kind of goes out the window because schools can go, oh, they haven't been good basically since you were in middle school. We haven't even talked about Boise State, <laughs> um, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, if you didn't know, they're playing in the Vegas Bowl against Boise State. We're not going to get even close into that because we're running, running pretty late on this podcast. Right. But I just want to get your opinion real quick. Go ahead. Uh, a couple more minutes. And then we'll wrap this one up. Um, what do you think this mindset of this team is going oh, into this gosh. game? Do you, do you, are they going to play disinterested? Um, are, are they going to be the complete opposite where they're going to be playing beyond pissed off? Uh, not even not at Boise State, but just at, you know, hey, we got screwed here. Um, cause Brady Bree said after the, the meeting, players were pretty frustrated, especially Florida kids. I think this team's going to be pretty fired. I was going to say, here's what I'll say, is Oregon has faced a lot of adversity this season. Yeah. This might be the largest amount, but they lost their quarterback for five weeks. And then after Herbert came back, they played really, really well. And it didn't ever seem like they totally quit on the season. I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm sort of of the suspicion that they're going to come out going like, 
man, the cards are dealt against us once again. Our, our head coach is gone. You know, three more assistants might be one foot out the door. Let's let's just take it on our own. You know, let's and let's go do this thing. And I, and you look at some of these seniors who have been through a lot over the last two or three years. And yeah, I, I am of the of the belief that they're going to come out. And I know they they were open as a six point favorite, and they're gonna and they're gonna play really really hard against Boise. Yeah, I I don't know um, the how the offense will look. I would imagine though that this is probably going to be a team if Royce Freeman plays um, and Crosby play, which we believe they which are. they believe they are. Taggart said they would, but we can't really believe his word. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, I I look at this as a game where Kanai Benoit, Tony Brooks, James. Uh, you got Taj Griffin, Darian Felix, and Royce Freeman. Um, whether Freeman, I mean, whether Herbert's back or not, I just got a feeling the four guys, the five offensive linemen playing for their now interim head coach who's been their position coach all year, they are going to just play incredibly angry. I haven't looked at Boise State's defensive numbers, but I imagine... They're, they're pretty average. They're, yeah, I was going to say, I, I imagine they're not great. They're not terrible. Oregon probably has better athletes, better size up front. They are going to be a team I do not want to play because they're going to play pissed off. I would agree. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk more Boise State in the coming days. We'll, we'll probably do another probably podcast. <laughs> probably, we'll have plenty of stuff on the site on duckterritory.com updating you all of what's going on with recruiting, what's going on with coaching search. Uh, second year in a row we're going to be doing this. It's uh, going to be wild. Uh, as Rob Mullen says, there's a lot of twists and turns with this. Um, I expect, though, it, it will be wrapped up fairly quickly. Um, I would say by end of the week. I, w- I would say end of the week or, or the bowl game. Um, you know, maybe the shortly after the bowl game, they have a decision of, of what they're actually going to do. Um, right. they'll, they'll, they'll interview multiple people. Uh, I'm sure they'll interview Taggart and, I mean, they'll interview, uh, Levitt and, and Crystal Ball and, uh, and then they'll interview some outside people and then they'll, they'll make a decision based off of that. So, um, thanks for listening. Go to duckterritory.com for all your Oregon football recruiting and team news, uh, because we're going to have a lot of it here in the next couple of days. So uh, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.